Hey, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. And I'm Travis. And thanks so much for tuning in with us today. And if it's your first time checking us out, we want to say a special welcome to you. And as a way to say thanks, I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee. You can go to newcity.us connect, fill the form out there to let us know you're tuning in, and I'll send you a Starbucks gift card in the mail this week. Yeah, you certainly don't want to miss that for sure. Well, happy 4th to all of you out there. My personal favorite holiday is we get to set off fireworks, hang out with family and friends. But of course, the big thing around 4th of July is just remembering and reflecting back on what the sacrifice so many men and women gave to help make this country what it is. And one of the big things that I think about with 4th of July is this idea of, you know, having a mission and a vision that you commit to. And, and I think about here at New City, how much we value the mission and vision that God has given us, which is to go and spread the hope of the gospel into our city and world. And of course, one of the ways that we do that is through giving. And we want to say thank you to so many of you out there who give towards the mission and vision of New City. Thank you so much for that. If you have never given to New City and you would like to do that, please know that you can certainly do that. We value that. We firmly believe in this mission and vision that God has given us. We want to continue doing it. And so thank you to those who are doing it. If you'd like to continue or want to know more information, go to newcity.us give for more information. But at this time, we'd love for you to stay on with us as we continue in our time of worship. Welcome to New City Online. We're so glad you're here worshiping with us today. As we begin, hear these words from Psalm 100. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his hearts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's worship him this morning. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. With all of my heart, with all of So deep I could never depart Father, your wonders are endless Open my eyes to believe Awake my soul
Blood 
Father, we rejoice that you loved us first. You stepped into our world to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us. And that's the reason we sing and celebrate what you've done. We love you, we worship you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. This is a story Jesus told. It comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off one to his field and another to his business. The rest seized his servants and mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those who I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners, invite everyone you find to the banquet. So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, good as well as the bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, my friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told his attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Well, happy Independence Day, everyone. I hope you are enjoying your weekend with family and friends. I'm excited to be sharing God's word with you today as we continue in our series, Stories Jesus Told, where we've been looking at the stories or the parables that Jesus taught in the Gospel of Matthew. Before we dive into our parable today, I wanna ask you a question. Have you ever felt the pain of rejection? Maybe it was a job you really wanted, a parental relationship you never had, or maybe it was a romantic relationship that you didn't want to end. Now, I know I've experienced the pain of rejection, and most of the time for me, my hope and my desire in those moments was that the person that was rejecting me would change their mind, that they wouldn't reject me, and maybe you felt that way too. The truth is, if we're honest, we all have a deep desire to be accepted, to be loved. And so rejection, it's painful. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you've noticed a theme of rejection of Jesus as king. In fact, last week in particular, we saw the rejection of Jesus as the cornerstone. If you remember in Matthew chapter 21, verses 44, Jesus said, anyone who falls on this stone, the cornerstone, will be broken into pieces. And anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. So in today's parable, we'll see the theme of rejection again. We'll also see judgment. However, along with that, we'll also see both the goodness and the grace of God. And ultimately, we'll learn 
that God's desire for us is that we change our mind and believe in Jesus. In fact, that's our bottom line today. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Today we'll be looking at the parable of the great banquet or the parable of the wedding feast. It should also be preloaded for you on the New City app along with the sermon notes. But again, that's Matthew chapter 21. We'll begin at verse number one. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they were not willing to come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Verse five says, but they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. Let's pause right there. I wanna take a moment and give you just a little context to the passage here and what's going on. So this is again, the parable of the wedding feast or the great banquet. Now this parable is the third in the series in which Jesus directly confronts the hearts of the religious leaders. Now this parable takes place during Holy or Passion Week, which is the last week of Jesus's ministry. Now in this parable, Jesus is using a wedding feast, something that people were familiar with to describe what the kingdom of heaven is like. Because if you remember, that's what parables do, right? They parallel our everyday reality with kingdom truth. Now, this was no ordinary wedding. It was a king's son that was getting married. So this type of wedding would have been a countrywide celebration that lasted for several days. The whole kingdom would have known about it and it would have likely been the talk of the town. So to have been invited to such an occasion was a big deal. It was a huge deal. So now as we dive deeper into today's parable, I wanna start by looking at the goodness of God versus man's rejection. The goodness of God versus man's rejection. Now remember, Jesus is using a wedding feast to describe what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now when a great social event like this wedding happened in the Jewish culture of the day, People were sent out invitations long in advance, much like weddings today, only without a set time. Then when the host was ready to receive the guest, he would send out servants or messengers to tell those who were invited to come to the feast. So by the time our story picks up here in chapter 22 and the servants are sent out, this is the second and the third notice that they were given. But I want you to see the goodness of God in this. First of all, he was inviting them to a significant event, an event that essentially was to celebrate and to honor his son. That was huge. That in itself was an honor. Now, secondly, I want you to notice that he was persistent in his inviting. He was persistent in that. Even after the initial rejection, he was persistent in his invitation, just like he is persistent 
in his pursuit of you and I. Remember, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Then the second time he sends the servants out, he sends them with details of what the guests could expect when they arrive. He says, listen, I got everything prepared. Everything is ready for you. Now catch this, in our weddings today, we typically bring gifts, don't we? The guests bring gifts, but not in this wedding. Not only do the guests not have to bring gifts, they get to receive the ultimate gift. Don't miss this. And now watch this. And at the end of verse four, he says to them, he says, everything is ready. Everything is ready. What is he saying here? In the parable, the king is referring to physical nourishment when he talks about food. But the deeper implication for you and I is that of spiritual nourishment. In other words, everything is ready means that the gift of the gospel is ready. The ultimate gift, the gift of the gospel is ready. Let me say it this way. It means peace is ready. Joy is ready. Encouragement and strength are ready for those who are willing to accept the invitation and celebrate the son. Listen, when we fellowship with the king, we don't bring gifts. We receive the gift of his son. The goodness of God is on display. The goodness of God is on display. However, in spite of all the goodness of the king, in spite of the goodness of God, the invited guests rejected the invitation and all the things that the king made ready for them. Verse 5 says, they paid no attention. Another version says that they made light of it. They considered their own affairs more important than the invitation of the king. More important than an invitation to the celebration of a lifetime. I don't know about you, but that makes me think about the casual approach that I can sometimes have towards the things of God. How many times, I don't know about in your life, but how many times have I made a blessing from God a higher priority than being with God? How many times has the busyness of life kept you and I from accepting and receiving the invitation of Christ to fellowship? And as if that wasn't enough, Verse 6 says that they seized, mistreated, and even killed the servants. Let's look at the king's response, God's response in verse 7. It says, the king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Now, at first glance, this might appear to be an over-the-top response, but I need you to remember that the king's response was a response of judgment. It was a response to the rejection of the invitees. So the king rightfully brought judgment to these offenders because not only did they reject his invitation and all of the things that he made ready, all of the goodness that he had prepared for them, and his desire for them to celebrate his son, they also murdered 
his messengers. It's been said that this response from the king in this parable was a prophetic warning from Jesus about what would happen in Jerusalem, the city whose religious leaders so strongly and consistently rejected Jesus and his gospel. Over Israel's history, they had both ignored and killed God's prophets or stood by while others did so. Many commentators believe that the destruction of Jerusalem and the burning of the temple by the Romans in AD 70 was a partial fulfillment of this warning. So the king's response was that of righteous judgment. Listen to this powerful quote on judgment. It says, without the concept of judgment, one does not even need salvation. And any urgency about life and its importance, about justice, or even about God is, if not lost, at least greatly diminished. It goes on to say that we might not like judgment, but it is a central and necessary message of both testaments and especially of Jesus' teaching. So in verse 7, we see that the king responds with righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. Let's look at verses 8, and 10, 8 through 10. The story says, Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. Verse 10, And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. So we saw the goodness of God versus man's rejection and the king's response of righteous judgment. But now we see the grace of God here in this story. I love this part. It says that the first invitees, they didn't accept the invitation. They had better things to do. They were not worthy, the king says in verse 8. Then he tells the servants, go out and invite as many as you find. In other words, the doors of grace are wide open. The doors of grace are wide open and everyone is invited, both good and bad. But watch this. The first group wasn't worthy. But neither was the second group. Neither was the second group. But grace paved the way. Grace opened the door. Ladies and gentlemen, none of us are worthy. The biggest difference between the original invitees and this group was not their worthiness. It was their willingness. Their willingness to accept the invitation to come to celebrate fellowship and honor the Son. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Salvation to all people. But I want you to watch what happens here in verses 11 and 12. Let's look at it together. But when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how do you get in here? How did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He was speechless. He had no answer 
for the king. He had no answer for the king because it was customary of the day for the king to provide garments for the guest. The man had no excuse. What he needed was provided for him. The garment was a gift. The man didn't have to earn it. It was a gift. All he had to do was allow the king to clothe him. Now, I want to be clear here. This was bigger than what the man had on. The garment that the king provided represented the gift of salvation. It represented the gift of grace that is provided because of his son. It's through his death, his burial, and his resurrection that we all are free to accept this invitation of salvation and grace. You may remember Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that says, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It's not of our own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of our works that no one could boast. So the gift, the gift, the garment that the king offered the guest was symbolic of the grace that was freely given through Christ Jesus. And when the guests wore those garments, the true celebration of the son could begin. Remember, this is a wedding. This is a wedding. And when we show up as invited guests wearing the garments that only Jesus can provide, wearing grace and wearing salvation, then we are transformed from guest to the bride. Transformed from guest to the bride. However, the man that the king pointed out was not wearing the appropriate attire. He showed up to the wedding wearing his own garments. He was trying to partake of the fellowship and the feast without truly submitting to the goodness of God, without accepting the free gift of grace that was offered to him. He showed up in his own efforts and in his own works. He tried to qualify himself as a guest by showing up in his own self-righteousness instead of receiving the righteousness of the son. Listen, the purpose of the feast was to celebrate and honor the son. That was the whole point of the feast, to honor the son. And likewise, when you and I attempt to achieve righteousness in our own efforts, in our own works, the scripture says that our efforts, our works are as filthy rags before the Father. I love what Isaiah 61.10 says when it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. I love that. That was the king's heart. That was his desire for everybody that attended was that they would be clothed with the works of his son, not their own works. So the man in our parable was easily recognizable to the king because he was not clothed in these garments that Isaiah refers to. Yes, the man did accept the invitation. He did accept the invitation. He was willing to come, but he failed to surrender 
and exchange his efforts, his works, for the finished work of Christ. So essentially, this man was no better than the first, the original invitees that didn't even accept the invitation. And what we learn from this is that it's more than about showing up. It's about surrender. Then we see in verses 13 and 14, another response of righteous judgment from the king. Let's look at it together. Verse 13 says, Then the king said to the attendees, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A parable concludes in verse 14 by saying, For many are called, but few are chosen. So the king responds in righteous judgment because the man wanted to partake in his own efforts and works. And then Jesus says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Many will hear the truth, but few would allow that truth to change their hearts. Few will allow themselves to be clothed with the garments of grace. Few will come in, many will come in, but few will, 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 will willingly accept the free gift of salvation and grace, the perfect gift offered through the Son. So today we looked at God's goodness versus man's rejection. We saw the response from the king. We saw the response of judgment from, the God, from God. But we also saw, saw God's goodness. We also saw God's grace. As I close, I want you to know this, that the same way that God pursued the people in our text, the same way he pursued them to come, to fellowship, to celebrate and honor his son, is the same way that he's pursuing you and I today, right now. Why? Because he loves us. And he's concerned about the things that we are concerned about. And so before I go, my application for us is simple. It's a question. Will you accept God's invitation of grace? Will you? Will you accept an invitation to the celebration of a lifetime? Are you willing to exchange your efforts and works for the finished work of Christ? Are you willing to exchange your filthy rags for the garments of grace, the garments of, of salvation? Are you willing to be clothed in righteousness? I hope that you'll ponder that question this week. And as you do, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged because as we saw today in our text, God's goodness and God's grace abounds towards us. I pray that this week you'll accept the invitation to the celebration of a lifetime and God's invite for you and I to change our minds and believe in Jesus. To God be the glory. Let's pray together. God in heaven, thank you. Thank you for this space of grace. Thank you for 
reminding us today, God, of your goodness and your grace. Thank you for another, another invitation to not reject you, God, but to accept your invitation to exchange our filthy rags for the finished work of Christ. God, I pray today for those who feel an invitation to salvation today, who feel an invitation to begin a, a relationship with you. And I pray, God, that you would open our hearts to receive you right now in this moment, that we will receive your forgiveness of our sins, that we will accept what your son did for us, and that we would walk with you, we would trust you for the balance of our days. And God, I pray that for those of us that know you, that are already in relationship with you, we've accepted your salvation. I pray today that we would, we would accept your invitation to lordship, that today there would be no areas in our hearts and our lives that are off limits from you, that we would allow you to fully clothe us, that we would not just show up, but we would surrender. So I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of your people right now. Thank you for inviting us, for pursuing us to the relationship of a lifetime. We give you praise, God. We give you honor and we give you glory. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City family. And as a reminder, I'd love to be praying for you all this week. If you have a prayer request you want to submit, you could do that at newcity.us prayer. Now as we go, wherever you are, if you would extend your hands for a benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you, turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.